Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. All right, everyone, welcome to the Gay Buddhist Fellowship. So we will hear from our Dharma teacher in just a second. I would like to introduce um, Ari Lathuris. Um, Ari has been meditating are practicing meditation for about 25 years. Uh, one of her main teachers is Pema Chodron, and she's studied and practiced Pema since uh, the mid-90s. And about eight years ago, she became a student of Pema's teacher, Zygar Kantro Rinpoche. I'm sure I, bo- I bat- botched his name. <laughs> and uh, has also been practicing recently with Mindrolling Kantro Rinpoche. So um, let's welcome uh, Ari and... Uh, we'll get some nourishing trickle down Dharma today. And uh, here we go. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm so grateful to be able to be with you today and offer some Dharma. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I started practicing with Pema Chodron in the mid 90s. And um, she used to come to the Bay Area and do what she called city retreats. And so we did a lot of intensive practice over the course of six weeks with her about once a year for several years. And then she would do other um, shorter, like four day weekend retreats on different topics, which one of which I'm going to talk about today. But I like to talk about Pema Chodron's uh, book titles because I, I call them Pema Chodron's greatest hits because I feel like the titles themselves are teachings. Um, so I don't know how many of you are familiar, but her first most popular book was called When Things Fall Apart. And um, another book she has is called Comfortable with Uncertainty. And one, I think it's her newest book. It's called Welcoming the Unwelcome. And I feel like, um, you know, just sitting with any of those concepts, like how do I welcome the unwelcome, um, is such a great practice and contemplation. So, um in these days of COVID times, I don't know how it is for you, but I feel like the uncertainty level of life ha- is like on steroids because, uh, you know, there used to be like a certain amount of uncertainty and now there's tons of uncertainty and it's hard to make plans and things get canceled. And so it's kind of, um, in a way, the gift of being really brought into the present because we're being forced in a new way to live with uncertainty. And so I feel so grateful and fortunate to have the Dharma to help me um, to really to be able to do that and all the teachings um, in the Dharma that help me to accept uncertainty, be at peace with uncertainty, and maybe even welcome uncertainty. So um, I, I'm feeling very, uh, you know, there is definitely a level of stress around the uncertainty, but I'm up in my daily practice, 
um, applying more and more of how can I just be with this uncertainty. So I feel like um, what Pema offers us and so many of the Dharma teachings is a great tool to be able to um, find a way to be with this. And uh, when we're not with uncertainty and we're not with things as they are, that is called suffering. And in Buddhism, the basis of all suffering is to either grasp or have aversion. So I'm sure we all know this human experience. When there's something we like, we want to hold on to it. We want more of it. We want it not to go away. So that's grasping. And when there's something we don't like, we want to get away from it. We want to push it away. We want it to never come back again. So that's the human experience of aversion. And, um, you know, we're constantly in this. This is human nature. It's, it's the way our mind works. And we're, we're always wanting to solidify the reality that we want and get rid of the reality we don't want. So grasping and holding on is actually a form of suffering. So this is not to say that we shouldn't allow good experiences to come into our lives. It's just that we want to be with them with the same kind of lightness and non-attachment as we have with the things that we don't want in our life. And so the end of suffering from a Buddhist perspective is to have the equanimity to experience the things we want and don't want with the same kind of quality of this is reality as it is, and I'm okay with that. So um, I feel like the Buddhist teachings kind of turn everything on their heads, you know, because our conditioned Western mind, we always are trying to change reality and trying to get more of what we want or make things happen in the way we want. And, and as I said, trying to push away the things we don't want. And in Buddhism, we actually invite the things we don't want because in that space, we can apply the teachings and actually expand our equanimity and our acceptance. And that leads us to greater peace and liberation. So the topic um, that I wanted to talk about today is um, a Tibetan word. It's called Shempa. And the very basic meaning of it is attachment. But it's actually very, it's an ineffable experience. It's very hard to define. So I'm just going to talk about it. And then we'll have a, a little time to discuss amongst ourselves. So when I was first introduced to this concept by Pema Chodron, probably about 20 years ago, it was a four-day retreat just on this one word. Um, so obviously today I'm going to give you my condensed version, and hopefully people will be able to relate to it. And um, it's, it's very uh, much like what I was just talking about with the grasping and aversion. So the... It's also sometimes defined as getting hooked. I'm sure everybody has experienced um, getting hooked by something um, and getting stuck. So where, you know, something happens and we're like, ugh, I don't like that. That person said that thing. Uh, that person's walking down the street without a mask on and that just gets me. Um, and then 
you know, we get into all kinds of stories and it's also described sometimes as a stickiness. It's just like this unease that we feel. Sometimes we don't even know why. We just are feeling like um, one moment we're okay, we feel comfortable, and the next moment there's something is amiss, something happened, and we might not even be able to define it. And then another way it's described as the urge to scratch. So often when we have that, that feeling of unease, we want to change it. We want to soothe it. And this is the thing that leads us to all kinds of behaviors that might not be that healthy for us, like smoking, eating, drinking, watching too much Netflix. That's one of my favorite ones, uh, eating chocolate. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. It's just, when are we doing them? And what is our awareness about why we're, you know, having that urge to do that thing? So the other uh, way uh, Pema describes this is that um, it starts, as I was saying, it's like it's just this feeling of unease. We might feel something in our belly. It often starts as a somatic experience. Maybe our chest tightens. Maybe our jaw tightens. And um, that's usually like the first step in it. And then it's a process. You know, it starts with that little bit of unease. And then that gets a little bigger and we're feeling hooked. And the third part of the process is we get all worked up, which is where the story comes in. And then we start having the thoughts and we start saying, oh, that person not wearing a mask walking down the street is arrogant and doesn't care about others. And, you know, all the thoughts that we have, right? And then the fourth part um, is where we act out. So the addictive behaviors, we might yell at somebody, we might, you know, it's where the actual behavior comes from. So the first three parts of this, the kind of somatic tightening, then the feeling of even more tightening, getting hooked, and then the storyline, those are all still within our own body and mind. And the fourth one is where the behavior comes out that could be either harmful to ourselves or others. So because we're human beings, um, th this is happening often in our lives. And a lot of our Buddhist practice is about training our mind so that we can have awareness of these things. And we really want to be able to interrupt this process at any point along the way. So if we feel a tightening in our body and we can slow down and bring our awareness to that, we may be able to interrupt the Shempa right there and then and dissolve it. Um, if we are getting hooked and it's getting more intense, we might be able to interrupt it there and dissolve it. If we have awareness that we have this storyline going on, we might be able to interrupt it there. So there is an effort to try to interrupt it before the behavior comes, which is the fourth part of the process. But even if we can't, <laughs> we're in the behavior, we still have a chance to bring our awareness to the behavior. And we also have a chance to, you know, bring our awareness to the fact that, yes, I'm a human being. I just experienced the whole process of Shempa, and I can learn from that. So really, there's no bad place um, to bring awareness to your shampa. 
So, um, so that's kind of a summary of what, what it is. It's getting hooked. It's getting stuck. It's feeling it in your body. Then the mind engages and then the behavior comes. So I'm going to share a little bit more and then we can um, have time for questions, comments, sharing out. Um, so, um, so the, the kind of the last part of the teaching on Shempa is how to um, interrupt it. And I talked a little bit about that, but just to break it down into numbers, because Buddhists, Buddhists love numbers. There's always numbers for everything. There's four, four numbers and they all, four words, they all start with R and I'll say them twice in case you want to write them down. The first one is recognize, and that's when you have that somatic experience, so recognizing something in your body that's feeling uneasy. The second one is called refrain, so that's where I talked about where you um, have that urge to itch or do some kind of behavior that's harmful to yourself or others. Well, mostly it's to yourself at first. So maybe, uh, you know, pick up a drink or food or go to your phone, something, because you're not feeling comfortable. And the third R is relax, and that is relax with the feeling. So you're feeling this unease or this tightening in your body. So just bringing your awareness to that, relaxing with it. Um, as we know in Buddhism, this thing called impermanence. That applies to our emotions also. So any feeling we have will go away. It will change. So we don't have to worry about, you know, getting stuck in a feeling that's going to, you know, just stay with us forever. So if we're able to just relax and let that feeling be there, bring our awareness to it, it will often shift very quickly. So, so recognize, refrain, relax. And the last R is resolve to continue practicing this. So we want to recognize the tightening, refrain from acting out of that, relax into the feeling, and then make a commitment or resolve to continuing to practice this. And it's important when doing this that we always uh, remember to bring loving kindness to ourselves so, um, you know, remember, this is the human experience. You're no different from anybody else. We're all going through this all the time. And um, that's, you know, a wonderful way that there's a lot of interconnectedness between us all, that we're all, you know, dealing with this human mind and human experience. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit more about um, getting back to the suffering and, and Shempa, too, you know, all of this, the grasping, the aversion, the getting hooked, this is all about our egos, and it's all about our self-absorption, which is also the human experience. And in Buddhism, the antidote to, um, you know, self-absorption is to do service to others. And so we see this a lot, and it comes up a lot in Mahayana Buddhism, which is a lot of the Tibetan teachings and practices. So when we are able to consider others, it automatically gets us out of that self-absorption. So I just want to um, highlight that because it's um, been a big part of my practice to 
you know, bring awareness to myself when I'm suffering, you know, sometimes my service is just to think of all the other people suffering in the world the same way I am or people suffering in the world in a way that's much worse than the way I'm suffering. So when we're able to kind of expand out of ourselves, it often um, kind of starts dissolving that self-absorption that is that has us caught in suffering. Uh, I also want to highlight the fact that um, there are so many, many practices in Buddhism and the practice of meditation, which is the most base for basic practice of all, I find is actually one of the most profound practices. Um, just sitting with yourself, befriending your own mind. It's something that's so um, opposite of what we do in Western culture. You know, we're always occupied and busy and thinking. And so I just want to um, acknowledge that all of you who are practicing meditation are doing this very simple yet very profound and transformational practice. Just watching the mind, watching the thoughts, training the mind, all of these things are so simple and really lead to liberation. So, um, and then one of the other main practices of Buddhism that I um, love to contemplate and, and talk about a lot is the four immeasurables. And the four immeasurables are loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And that's, you know, a talk for another day. Those are each one of those, you know, we could talk about forever. But I just want to bring them up because they are such a foundational practice um, for myself and a lot of people. So, um, you know, if you want to do some reading on those, Pema Chodron um, teaches a lot on those. And my teacher, um, Pema Chodron, and I actually have the same teacher whose name is Zigger Control Rinpoche. Um, and they both teach a lot on those four immeasurables. So, and just to say also that, you know, in, in, in our Buddhist practice, we're always developing compassion and wisdom. So um, the wisdom is, you know, accessing the Dharma teachings. And, you know, compassion is obviously something that we talk about a lot, softening our heart, opening our hearts to others. So it's really a balance of those two things that are very um, foundational also to the Buddhist practice. So I'm going to close with um, a little bit of a reading from Pema Chodron's book. It's called Comfortable with Uncertainty. And this is just a little part of um, one of the readings called The Wisdom of No Escape. Ordinarily, we are swept away by habitual momentum. That's what she means by shempa, basically habits, habit behavior. We don't interrupt our, our patterns even slightly. With practice, however, we learn to stay with a broken heart, with a nameless fear, with the desire for revenge. Sticking with uncertainty is how we learn to relax in the midst of chaos how we learn to be cool when the ground beneath us suddenly disappears. We can bring ourselves back to the spiritual path countless times every day, simply by exercising our willingness to rest in the uncertainty of the present moment. 
over and over again. So I think she summarizes it pretty well there. And uh, I think we have, I'm not sure, we have a little time for questions. We can do that. We have have about 10 minutes, yeah. Okay. Hey, Ari. Um, Glad you're here. That was awesome. I think sometimes our speakers can be hit or miss. That's what I say to people. Like, you should join us. Come on. They're great people. It's awesome. Um, like, both sometimes the Dharma speaker can be hit or miss, you know? And, uh, this is a hit. So thank you and come back and I'll remember your name. Like, when they, they'll put it in the newsletter, I'll be like, yep, let's go, you know? So yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, much appreciated. Thanks again. Ciao. Thank you. Hey, Ari, it's Thomas Bruin. Um, thank you so much for your wonderful teaching today. It just occurred to me that, uh, you know, as you were describing the four R's, I was sort of anticipating, wondering what they would be. And in the relax, um, it kind of struck me that uh, respiration or respire, um, you know, might go well with that because it's so um, helpful to take three deep breaths or more, you know, um, we all know this, you know, it's just hard to remember to do it in the moment, but it has such a profound effect to just, it not only stops us, but of course it, you know, activates the sympathetic nerve, nervous system and all that stuff. So um, I think I'm going to throw in a fifth R there in tandem with relax. Thank you. Great idea. Yeah. Hi, that's um, John. Um, I realized that um, part of my practice um, involves coming into my body because there's so much of my life I've lived kind of disembodied. And especially my spiritual practice before was kind of an attempt to bypass my body and what the sensations are. And so for me, the first signal that I'm in the midst of a Shempa experience is my mind um and then it's kind of like i realize there's this obsessive thought pattern in my mind about something i can't control and it could be big or it could be very ordinary and then i can if i can come into my body then i can feel that tightness in the body but i have to make it conscious effort almost to do that before i can begin to relax uh and let go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Abel, go ahead. Hi. Um, I want to pretty much repeat what other people said. This was really helpful. This was really both dense but clear. Uh, and I really value that. I actually read Pema Children's book, When All Things Fall Apart, back in 2014. I didn't remember the author's name. Um, and it was when all things were falling apart in my life. Like, um, just like the end of a relationship, um, us changing jobs and then a chronic illness diagnosis. So this year kind of reminds me of that year. Um, and I think your talk is really going to be helpful. I think it's going to be, it's probably going to guide my next week or month in terms of how I focus, what I do. And how I um, refer it, and how I guide my practice, and 
um, one last time. I think it was really valuable and thank you for your time. Thank you. I wonder how you would, um, what your uh, advice for interrupting the shenpa of depression, you know, like I've been, I'm an extrovert trapped in an introvert world right now. And I'm, I've become really depressed lately, like more so than ever. Um, and so when you're really, if the people who have experienced depression, when you're really depressed, you don't want to take any action. You know, you're like, Oh, like the shampa is like, uh, you know, a brick house sitting on your head. So what do you think about, you know, when you feel like you can't, um, you can't refrain, like refraining from the urge to engage in harmful behavior would be like staying, staying stuck there. Like, yeah, anyway, I think you understand what I, the question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really hard one um, because there are different kinds of depression. And, you know, if, if there's clinical issues, um, I have heard many people ask Pema and the teachers about that. And, you know, sometimes we need um, professional help with that. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, um, meditation is not a cure-all for, you know, clinical issues. So um, I think, you know, engaging with uh Medication, if it's helpful, and or therapy is also great. Um, if it is the kind of like situational depression that you have awareness of, I think that the practice is the same. It's just sitting with it and feeling it and not fighting the feeling, um, not giving yourself a hard time for having the feeling. Um, sometimes uh, it can be very self-absorbing. You know, depression can be a self-absorption. So I think the practice of finding a way to see if there's a way you can include others, even if it's just in your mind state. Um, I have a sangha that I practice with every morning. And at the end of our meditation, we do gratitude practice and send metta, which is loving kindness or, you know, support to those who are suffering. So those, those two practices of just, you know, what, what do I have to be grateful for in my life? Um, where are the people who are suffering that need, you know, me to send them some ease? So I think those things can kind of help us get out of that, um, state of this is really hard for me, you know? Yeah. I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, um, this is Jeff, and uh, thank you for our wonderful talk. I love the topic of Shenpa. Uh, I remember what the moment I read it uh, in uh, one of her books. But uh, could you clarify whether Shenpa is the like the exact moment that you're hooked, or uh, just the hook, or is it you know the feeling of unease in general? Are they uh, different? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, as I, um, it's, it's usually called attachment, like that's the English word, but it's, as I said, it's really ineffable and hard to describe. So, um, it's, it's not, they talk about it as it's not the thinking, it's the pre-emotion, the pre-thinking. So I think, you know, it is that kind of first feeling before the thoughts arise. Sort of like vagueness. Vagueness, did you say? Yes. Yeah, it could be an experience of vagueness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not vagueness, but, but the second foundation of mindfulness, Avedna. Oh, Avedna. Um, 
uh, feeling uh, tone. Positive, oh, unpleasant, pleasant, or uh, neutral. Yeah. Good, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds similar. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you. Chris has his hand up. Chris. Hi, my name's Chris. Um, thank you for your talk. Um, I, um, what I really loved uh, about uh, your talk was I was recognizing certain tenets that um, I practice in uh, a few 12-step programs I'm in. Um, and when you were talking about how to basically, how do I recognize what I'm doing and then de-escalate, I think the, the first time I was taught something like that was, um, when I couldn't really control myself, uh, um, before any sort of recovery programs I was in. And, uh, the therapist told me that when I realize I'm about to say things in my relationship that I'm going to have to apologize for later, it's a really good idea to say, listen, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. And, um, I'm going to go calm down somewhere, but I promise I'll come back. And she let me know that the important part was to let them know that I'd be back so that they don't have to worry while I'm gone. And um, in time that gave my partner uh, the faith that I would come back. So when I would say that it was really like, we're taking a time out. Um, and that was mm-hmm. super, uh, that was super helpful uh, today. I guess um, I'm in a completely different place and I think what really helps me is having the faith that I may feel this way right now. If I take an action, like maybe just go for a walk or something, um, that I'll feel better after that. And that as time goes by, like tomorrow, I will feel different than I feel today. So I really have a lot of faith in just letting time go by um, and not trying to control that. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Sounds like very sound advice from your therapist. Jason. Uh, thanks, Ari. Um, I've heard Pema talk about Shempa on a lecture, on a YouTube lecture or something like that before. So it was nice to have an actual um, moment to engage with the, the concept. And I just wanted to um, kind of make a, re- a note of you had said in meditation, we have to deal with our thoughts. And but something I also find to be really more um, challenging for me is the emotion. It's just sitting with the emotion. And I reflect that when Shempa moments happen for me, it's like that flush of emotion that makes me want to have that reaction. And I find that through my years now of practice that I've started to link this to, oh, there's that oppressed, ridiculed little gay boy who I'm feeling all that flush, right, from that past experience. And there's a part of me now as to be looking at it and being like, oh, look, I've had a whole lifetime of practice with these Shempa moments, right? So my, our word, I guess, would be reclaim and to reclaim all of those past hurts and really sit there with the emotion and just sit there with the flesh and try not to attack the person, um, try not to get my power back and just to sit in what is and then to move on without escalating or right inflaming the moment 
So that's kind of um, what your talk has brought up for me. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Well, we usually wrap up at 1150-ish. Does anybody want to chime in? Anybody itching to share one more thing? I really appreciate all this gratitude that's being expressed collectively. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, it feels good. Hard, juicy. Okay. I just want to um, talk about Donna. Donna is the Pali word for generosity. Um, And so when you contribute to the Gay Buddhist Fellowship, you are helping send out our newsletter to many, many prisoners and other people um, that are uh, sometimes not able to access live, well, sort of semi-live like this. (laughs) So please... um, Please, if you will, contribute. And then uh, if you're on our mailing list, you've received an annual appeal, which is our our um, our request for you to kick in even a little more, Don, this, um, just to show your gratitude. And um, we use it for the honorarium to pay speakers, uh, to pay for our Zoom expenses, um, sending out the newsletter and different things like that. So um, that is my, uh, my pitch as Donna Bowl. And does anybody else have any other announcements? Um, Ari, we have um, we have our dedication of merit, but do you have a special one that you would like to use? Oh, no, we can use yours. Thank okay. you. Any other announcements, anyone? Okay, well, welcome to everyone. Welcome to new folks, and I hope you'll join us again. And um, so... Get a little comfy and um, I'll read off the merit. Um, By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness, which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion, believing in the equality of all that lives. Great, great to meet you all. Thank, Thank you. you, Ari. Thank you, Ari. Thanks, Ari. Have a Thank good day. Thank you, Ari. Thank you. Thank you. Part of Mexico, Thank are you, you in, Grisha. Ari? I'm in Todos Santos, uh, Southern Baja. Hotel oh, California. Yes, that's here. That's where the Hotel California is. <laughs> I've had a margarita there before. <laughs> are you at Robert Hall's place? All Saints? Is that what it means? Yeah, it means All Saints. Thank you, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.